You are listening to the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. It's Jimmy Miller, an associate editor with the magazine. Today on this sponsored episode, we have Aaron Griffith with Cub Cadet. In this conversation, he breaks down how he's seen stand-on machines adapt over time, plus the well-documented labor shortage and autonomous mowing. Well, first, Aaron, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into selling in the green industry? Yeah, it's, uh, it is kind of an interesting story for myself. I know a lot of people that are in this business um, on the manufacturer side started working at dealers uh, for a dealership, and, and I was the same way. That's how I got started um, very early on, um, you know, over 20 years ago. I was um, uh, kind of off on a college break, and I uh, went to work just doing pickup and delivery uh, for a shop that was a lawn and garden dealer and um, really enjoyed the people there and, and kind of worked my way up through the shop and was service manager. And then um, did sales there as well. And uh, just really liked the industry a lot and um, wanted to get into the, uh, to the manufacturing kind of sales rep side of things. And at that time um, I uh, took a position with a distributor selling other commercial brands of equipment. Um, and I did that for about 10 years. So I was at a dealer for about five years and then I uh, was at that distributor for about 10. And then I've been now um, on the Cub Cadet side, on the commercial side with Cub Cadet for the pro series of products for uh, a little over six years now. So over 20 years in this business and just really like the business, love the people. Um, it's kind of like a big family, um, even amongst competitors, you know, I, I feel like we all get along at trade shows and different events like that. But Really working day to day with dealerships and improving their businesses, working with landscapers and municipalities, um, figuring out ways for them to improve their um, side of the business and finding unique products and things like that um, to make their lives easier. It's just fun and they're good people. Um, People are appreciative of the help. Um, They really want to know how you're doing, you know, not just from a business standpoint, but you know, a lot of these people keep up with your with your family and how things are going like with your uh, family life. And um, like I said, it's just a big family. It's a great industry. I love it. I've been in it for a very long time now and honestly couldn't imagine myself being in any, in any other industry. It really is a, a lively industry full with a lot of genuine people. Um, you know, in terms of your experience with talking with the clients in the industry, have you noticed they've been looking for something in particular, especially out of your machines? Is it comfort, ease of use, or something else? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, this commercial equipment has been around for a very long time. Um, you know, this is not something new. Landscapers using commercial-grade lawn mowing equipment. There's a lot of what we like to refer to as table stakes that are out there. You know, they expect the cut quality to be great. Um, they expect the durability to be what they need it to be. They, they expect it to be well-built and can hold up to their day-to-day use. So really what they seem to be looking for now is, um, you know, creature comforts. Can they be more comfortable throughout the day um, to make themselves more efficient or more productive? And then really with a lot of labor shortages that are out there today that, that we're all facing in, in every single part of the industry, and not just our industry, you know, it's, it's uh, across a lot of different channels, is um, that labor shortage is really making people look at ways to be more efficient. 
And um, it doesn't have to be massive amounts, but any ways that they can pick up a little bit of productivity here and there is, is very important for sure. Yeah, those little efficiencies go a long way. Um, I wanted to also jump back to something you said about comfort. And specifically, I wanted to relate that to some of your stand-on machines, largely because a lot of people often associate standing up all day with discomfort. Uh, stand-on machines have come a long way, even in the past decade or two. How have you seen the machines change over time? They really have. You know, you look at the uh, the sit-down zero-turn business and I think probably 10 or 15 years ago, we kind of experienced that with um, with that line of products where you you built, you started seeing manufacturers build in a lot more comfort and trying to make the operator feel better throughout the day, which in turn brings more productivity. Um, you know, if you're more comfortable uh, throughout the, the day, you're going to be more productive than if you're not as beat up for the next day, you're going to be more productive the, the next day as well. So building those comfort factors in it is really important. And really, you kind of see the same thing with stand-ons coming through the last few years as well. They've been around now for 20, a little over 20 years. Um, different brands have kind of came and gone in that area, but they've been around for a very long time. And, and now it's time to start bringing in some of those creature comforts that we see on the sit-down Zs to make them more comfortable. A lot of people, you're right, look at it um, from a standing-up standpoint and say, how would you do that all day long? Um, and for me personally, um, and I know a lot of people in this industry are like that. You got a bad back. You've been sitting around in a truck all day. You've been doing hard labor. For me, I probably sit in my office chair a little too much. But um, <laughs> why do you see stand-up desks becoming so popular if everyone working remotely? It's because it's actually better for your body to stand up versus to sit down. Right. And throughout the day, you're going to be more comfortable. Your blood flow is going to be better. You're, you're going to be more alert, more reactive, and you're going to be more comfortable throughout the day. Um, but with that, with our machines, what we really noticed when we were developing ours is, you know what, There's not, we're not all the same person. We're not all the same height. We're not all the same weight. We're not all the same build structure. And what we really challenged ourselves with on our stand on the Pro X 600 uh, from Cub Cadet what we really challenged ourselves on was, can we figure out a way to make this machine more comfortable for all different types of operators? So we built in a lot of adjustability uh, to the machine. So the suspension platform where your feet are sitting, standing on, um, that has an adjustable spring in it. So you can adjust it for different um, weighted operators. Hmm. The bolstered pad is one, it's bolstered, so it's very comfortable to, to lean up into but it's also adjustable as well for different height of, of operators. You know, you can adjust it a couple inches depending on where you like that pad and your height. So building in that adjustability because we're not all the same is really important. And then really focusing in on that suspension platform was two really big keys that we wanted to do to help get over that, that concern that a lot of customers have about discomfort on a standoff. Uh, me personally, I'd rather stand up all day than, than to sit down. Uh, just because it feels better on my body than than uh, sitting down. But a lot of people look at it as it's going to be more taxing. So just like I say with a lot of different products is you don't know what will work well for you and what won't work well for you until you go try it. Um, you know, keep an open mind when you're looking at different ways to improve your, your business and see if there's better ways 
to to get the job done and and don't be closed-minded about it. Look at all the options that are out there and see if there's a better way to do it and don't discount it until you actually try it. That's great advice. Even looking at something as small as the stand on or stand-up desks like you mentioned before. I remember when I first started here a few years ago, um, I noticed a few people around the office had them and I always thought, okay, that's never something in a million years I would do, right? And then um, I'm one of the, you know, several thousand who invested in one while working during quarantine. And I found it actually worked and it was it certainly subverted my expectations on that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's simple things like that that you see uh, around that, that other industries are doing that are important to look at. So... I also wanted to ask you about some buzzwords a lot of people in the industry have been hearing at trade shows for the last few years in particular, autonomous and robotic mowing. Where do you think this means the industry is heading? With the labor shortages uh, that we mentioned earlier that we see, and you know, I, I was talking with a landscaper uh, just yesterday about doing some different stuff with them and getting them some product to run and wanting to see some of the properties that they mow to, to see what what might work the best. And, and I said, hey, man, if I'm tagging along with you all day, I can't run a string trimmer. He goes, well, you better not say it too loud because I can't find anybody to help me out. So I might throw one at you. <laughs> um, so with all of the uh, with all of the labor shortages that are out there and the challenges we're having, um, we're going to need autonomous or robotic mowing, however you want to refer to it as. We're going to need that um, that product to to get the jobs done that we need to get done. We're going to have to figure out ways to do um, the same amount of mowing. The same amount of grass is going to have to get cut uh, with less people. And I believe that autonomous slash robotic mowing is going to be a way that we're going to be able to get that done. Uh, the question will be is can the can the technology, you know, react and, and come up quick enough to meet the the industry's needs? And I think that's the biggest challenge that we as the manufacturers are facing right now is, is making those leaps and bounds with this technology to help out our customers that need them. Well, it's it's such an interesting question, right? Um, you know, the, like you said, the demand is is certainly there and it's not going anywhere. And the labor shortage has long been documented in this industry, right? So um, right. in talking with contractors here at Lona Landscape, we've seen a little bit of adoption of robotic mowing, but by and large, people still seem pretty skeptical. Have you kind of seen the same thing? We definitely have, um, you know, from some of the stuff that we've had out that we're testing. Um, we've seen skeptics when they operate the equipment and see how it works. They start to catch on and to see how it works. I think uh, there's a couple of reasons why um, people are a little bit slower to uh, adapt. This industry is a little bit slower usually to make changes. You know, it's some of those things where we're, we're in a, a trades business and we know the tools that do the job. And sometimes it's hard to um, look at new tools that might be able to do the job a little bit easier. We know this one widget works. Right. We know what it does. We, we have a trust in it. Now we got to look at a new widget and how things are done. And, and we don't have the same trust factor that's with that, that we have with the, the old stuff. Um, so I think there's that. I think that the cost is also a concern, um, not just the cost of the, the upfront cost of the equipment, but to make these things run autonomously, 
Um, there's going to be other costs involved with that um, to be able to connect to um, the satellites and, and the GPS signals that you're going to need to connect to. So not only is it the upfront cost of the equipment, but it's, a, it's the ongoing cost uh, to run the equipment that we're going to have to to get over. And then um, it's also about the aesthetics. Um, what I love talking to landscapers about is when you, you get those really passionate landscapers and you ask them why they do, why they're a landscaper. And it's an art form and and they really love seeing the end product and seeing the result of their hard work and what it looks like. And it, I love hearing that from people. And I think that's the other part that the autonomous side has to figure out is how can we make the end cut look the same as we have when we're running a zero term where we're getting those really nice, perfect stripes. Um, you know, a lot of the, robotic and autonomous stuff that is out there currently that's been out for a few years um, is is kind of, you know, for lack of better terms, similar to a Roomba for your yard. Right. <laughs> and it just makes a random pattern. Right. And anything um, in the in, in the north, you know, any of those cool season grasses where we're growing fescue, bluegrass um, and, and some ryegrasses in some areas, the big important part of that turf is striping it. And if we can't stripe it, it doesn't have the same aesthetics and the same look. So we have to figure out the way to make that work. And, and that is really critical on overlap um, to make sure that those stripes look really nice. And we can't have, we can't have a random pattern like the, the Roomba situation would be because there won't be any striping at all there. Right. And then the overlap needs to be very tight. If we're overlapping and we're trying to stripe a lawn and we're overlapping 12 inches, 15 inches, 20 inches, because we have to worry with the variance of the GPS signals, we're not going to get striping either because you got to have, there's a certain way that you got to cut to get stripes. And if we're overlapping a lot, we can't do that. So a lot of things for us to figure out on the manufacturing side to get that adoption up higher. Um, so technology has got to come along. The manufacturers have to be involved in it um, and getting the right product out there and getting the right testing done. Uh, so we can all come along this this uh, new wave together. Well, it, it's interesting. You know, I'm, I'm hearing you talk about cost, right? I'm hearing you talk about performance um, and as well as just maybe, you know, other extenuating factors, right? Um, one thing I, I find interesting that I've heard from contractors, and this is a little bit off the beaten path here, but um, I've heard contractors say, well, I want my clients to see me out doing the work or I want, you know, to be yeah. seen physically doing the work, right? So um, I think it's yeah. interesting that, you know, there is some, you know, you mentioned aesthetic of how the lawn actually looks. There's also the aesthetic of, you know, I guess maybe getting past the stereotype of, you know, we'll look, we will look lazy if we are not the ones physically doing that work. Right. That is, that's a big part of it too. We, we've heard that. Um, you even hear that sometimes when, when you hear landscapers that are, bidding an HOA and, and they'll require in the HOA that they have to use like a hydro walk behind um, or something smaller. Like they want to make, they want to see them working. Right. Like what does it matter if the, right. if the property looks good when it gets done? Well, who cares what, what it looks like when it gets done, but you're exactly right. And, and what the customer, the, the landscapers customer is going to think is, well, there's not a person out here doing it. Should it be cheaper? Well, why don't you go price one of those machines and you see if it should be cheaper or not? And, 
um, that that's going to be a, an interesting challenge that we have to get over as well. For sure. One of several challenges that we've kind of already outlined. Yep. How long, Aaron, could it be before it wouldn't be uncommon to see some of these machines out in the field doing work for the clients? Yeah, I, I think that if you're talking large scale and seeing products out there without an operator on them and running, in my opinion, we're probably five years or more before we're going to see that on a large scale. I do think that very soon you'll start to see some products that are out there doing some of this work, whether it's semi-autonomous or fully autonomous. Um, but until we can get a lot of those factors worked out that we mentioned previously, um, you know, cost, GPS connections and signals and getting that right overlap dialed in to where it's working in the same way that a, uh, a manual machine would be working. All of those things that we just mentioned, until we can work those things out, it's going to be hard to see it adapt at a large scale. Uh, but I know every manufacturer is working on what this solution is. But I, I do believe that um, it's probably going to still be another five years before we see it full scale. You're driving by a school and you're seeing machines out there um, running without an operator on them at, sure. at a large, large scale. Sure, that makes sense. Do you think that the labor shortage might expedite that process a little bit or has any hand in how quickly we might actually see these machines out there? Yeah, I think it can. Um, if the demand is there, it's going to make the manufacturer, you know, work on it even quicker. Um, if they can, as long as the technology is there to be able to do it. Yeah, think about this, um, Jimmy. Um, we don't have cars showing up to us. Like when we, when we get an Uber, the driver still shows up in the car. Right. Like we don't have cars doing this yet. Um, so there's there's a lot of challenges um, to get this done. Right. It. Um, so yes, the demand will help. It will help drive uh, the the urgency that we work on it. But the technology is just not there. It's just not there. Sure, that makes sense. Um, so specifically talking about Cub Cadet now, I know that eventually you want to end up with some fully autonomous mowers, but you recently debuted the SurePath machines to provide a semi-autonomous experience. Um, what does that mean and why slowly build toward fully autonomous machines? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. It's kind of, it's been leading up to, to that question, um, to a certain degree, but the reason that we did it, one is because we have the ability to do it um, in a in a simpler platform. Um, we have been building a steering wheel driven zero turn now for gosh, I think close to 15 years. I don't know the exact year. I can't remember the exact year that we launched it, but uh, we're we're coming up on 15 years of having steering wheel driven zero turns. And because of that steering wheel driven system, we're able to control the steering wheel which in turn controls the front wheels which in turn controls the transmission we're able to do that very easily similar to the way that they've been doing it in the ag industry for years on tractors um, and combines and things like that so we're able to put the same type of technology into our steering wheel driven zero turn versus just having to simply control the transmissions that you would have to do in a lap bar unit so for one um, it, it was, it, the engineers may argue with me on this, but it was simpler <laughs> to do because of the technology we already had, being able to attach that type of technology to a unit we already had. 
Um, and the reason that we wanted to do it versus working to, towards full autonomy, that's the end game goal, right? Is being fully autonomous, not having the operator on it. But if we're seeing all of these labor shortages out there today, and we have a way to help the end customer be more efficient, I feel like we owe it to ourselves to do that and to provide that type of product to our customers. Yeah. Not just wait till that end game goal, but if we can we can go along and make us more productive as we're trying to get to the end goal, then why shouldn't we do that? We shouldn't hold all that technology back. We should get it out into the into the field so the end customer can be more efficient, more productive. Is it really as easy as setting the cutting paths with an auto zero turn at the end of the line? I mean, can you also really go hands free on this? Well, we don't we don't recommend going hands free. We do not <laughs> want you to be completely hands free. We want all hands on the machine at all times and uh, paying attention to our surroundings. But yeah, it is simply that simple. Uh, we were doing a lot of testing with this product last year, and and we got it in the hands of of a very large um, automotive area that was having to make certain properties look very good uh, for, for TV and some things like that. And what they loved about it was when they get interns in for the summer, you know, to go mow these high profile areas, they only wanted experienced operators to do that because it was high profile. It was going to have a lot of eyes on it. Um, with this SurePath technology, they could take their interns that literally just showed up in five minutes, teach them how to set the lines and let them go. And they were, they would mow just as good, if not better than any, any operator they had in the fleet. So wow. what's great about it is that's the other advantage with these labor shortages. We've got a lot of new employees coming into this business and in this industry, and there is an art, there is amount of time that you have to be on a machine to learn how to be efficient and productive on a lawnmower, a zero turn lawnmower and how to keep a nice straight line, how to not overlap more than you should. It's, it, it takes time. It's, a, it's an art form to, to be able to do this, do it well, make it look good, make it look easy. Um, so if we got new operators coming in, they're not going to be as efficient. They're not going to be as productive. It doesn't matter if this operator has been doing this for 20 years or 20 minutes. The way it's set up, they will be just as productive and as efficient as the other. doesn't matter who they are or where they're at. You literally get on the unit. There is a joystick off of the right armrest that has all your controls for it. You manually drive it to where you want to go. You hit one button. That's the GPS button. That starts the GPS uh, signal. You manually drive it to where you want the second point to be. You hit the GPS button again, and it will draw a straight line from A to B. Wow. It doesn't matter. You figure eight zigzags, went over and check something else, whatever you did <laughs> from A to B, it will draw an imaginary line. And then depending on the deck width and then the uh, efficiency deck setting that you put it on, mm -hmm. um, it'll draw a line ever, how many ever inches that you're set up to run. It'll draw that line to the right, to the left of that line forever. Um, doesn't matter if there is a building or an object in the way, it keeps that line. So you can go around that object, whether it's landscaping around a tree whether it's a building, a house, whatever it is, you can go around that object, hit the GPS button again, uh, manually go around the object, hit the GPS button again, and it'll walk right back on that line again. So your stripes are perfectly in a line, doesn't matter where you're at. 
And all you do, once you set the GPS, you hit turn right, you hit turn left, whichever direction you want to turn at the end of the line. The system takes over, makes a zero turn without tearing turf up, puts you right back on that line, and you're back on it again. That would be huge for this industry. I mean, like you said, somebody just joining the team and then immediately being able to efficiently use these machines and actually work out in the field, that's a huge time saver. One of the things we hear from contractors all the time is how difficult it is not only to recruit employees, but to train them, to onboard them, to make them, yes. you know, effective employees. Yep. And even there's even like a, there's a QR code right on the unit. If the person, for whatever reason, you know, <laughs> has a, a moment there and forgets how to operate it, they can take their phone out, scan the QR code, gives all the instructions on how to operate the GPS. So they're never without having that training system right next to them uh, to be able to use it very easily. Um, and by doing this, as we were working on launching a product, we wanted to find out exactly how efficient the product was. So we did some third-party testing. And then we only measured the amount of overlap. Okay, so we talk about overlap and, and how that's going to bring you more efficiency. Yeah. And what we found is that on a 72-inch machine, uh, that our machine was about 12% more productive than a non-autonomous machine would be just in the overlap alone. Wow. So that is hard numbers. You know that you're going to get that because you're going to get that much more of the deck working and cutting grass than you would be if you're running it manually. Um, the things that you can't measure um, for that are how do you feel at the end of the day? If you're constantly looking at that line, how does that make you fatigued mentally throughout the day? Um, you're not going to have to do that. You're not going to stress about that and making sure you're perfect all the time. The machine's going to do that for you. How much quicker is it to turn around? Because now the machine is doing the zero turn for you. You don't have to worry with not tearing the turf up. So the turns are going to be quicker. Um, there's a lot of efficiencies that add up that aren't really measurable. But if you get out and use the machine for a couple of days, you can start to see what those efficiencies are. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about on the stand on, you know, keep an open mind, look at all the products that are out there. There's going to be a lot of new innovation coming in this industry in the next few years. Don't be afraid to try it. You know, it's, it's up to us manufacturers to have demo equipment and get that equipment to the end customer to try. Um, you know, it's kind of our responsibility to get it in the hands of the end user and have that product available so they can try and see if there's a better way to, to slice the loaf of bread, you know? Sure. Makes sense to me. Um, Aaron, when are these SurePath machines out for purchase? Yeah, we actually um, are going into production on these units in April okay. of 2022, and they should be out in the field um, at dealers or, you know, in our warehouse, whatever it may be, uh, available for purchase early this summer. Um, I would say in that May, May, June at the latest uh, time frame, just because anything that we build, uh, once we go into production on it, we always kind of quarantine it for a little bit as well to make sure there's no, no bugs that need to be worked out on a new product launch uh, before we actually send those out into the field. But yeah, early this summer sometime, you should be able to purchase them. Um, you, know, you should be able to contact us through the website, you know, cupcadet.com, go to your local Cub Cadet dealer. They, they probably won't have one on the on the floor, but they know how to get a hold of the manufacturing reps and uh, try to get one for you guys to try. Um, they are limited in the areas that they can 
that we can use them in because of the GPS signals. Once again, that's what we talked about earlier. The technology has to catch up to uh, to where we need this product to be. Right. So um, the product is not available in all 50 states, uh, but it's in over half of the states. We we know that the satellite systems work correctly on, um, and we list all those on the website as well under the SurePath product of where those machines are available and where they're not, where the GPS signal work more So. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, you know, before I kind of wrap things up here, Aaron, is there anything that we didn't already talk about, whether it's the stand-ons or the SurePath machines that you feel, you know, somebody listening to this podcast should know? Yeah, the only other product I, I want to mention, we we're kind of highlighting our products that are more efficient, more, more productive, going to help you do the job better. And we've had this product out for a few years now, but we also have a dual wheeled unit. You know, a lot of uh, landscapers get the opportunity to mow some some different slopes, um, whether it's the, the backside of a football field, a, a dam, a water retention area, um, different things like that. And because of our steering wheel technology, and we can control the front wheels, uh, just our steering wheel units alone will uh, go to a 5% higher grade of a slope. Um, going up to rated to a 20 degree slope. We also have some dual wheeled units that uh, go up to a 25 degree slope. So it's another five degrees more that it, it can do. So uh, other ways to look at efficiencies, if, if you've got some challenging terrain, that is another product that, that I really recommend checking out, trying if you have those specific scenarios that you need to be able to mow. There's a lot of, there's some other companies that make slope machines but they're really dedicated to just mowing slopes. The great thing about this product is it's the same mower that we sell all day, every day. We've just added some extra things for better traction. So it's not like it's a dedicated slope machine. That's what it shines at. That's what it does really, really well at. But you can use it for day-to-day, everyday mowing as well. So it kind of gives you that dual purpose type piece of equipment too. So, you know, but once again, like like I said earlier, get out and see what's available out there. You know, this year is going to be really challenging on a supply chain shortages. Um, but look at look at what's available online. You know, this is a really good time when, when we're in these challenges to look at better ways to do things and, and look at what's available out there and contact the manufacturers, go visit your local dealers and see if there's a, a better way to do things and, and try them out. You know, that's that's what we're here to do is get product in your hands and see if it, it can make your life and your job better. And uh, we love doing that and talking to landscapers and showing what we have available. Awesome, Aaron. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to field a few questions. And, um, you know, again, really appreciate your time. Yeah. For Lawn and Landscape Radio Network, I'm Jimmy Miller, and we'll catch you next time.